Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The independently produced podcast about every episode of Doctor Who, eventually. <laughs> or at least as long as we, we choose to go with it. <laughs> yeah, I guess the fact that it's the two of us who does every who the two of us who do everything that uh, makes it an independently produced podcast, yes. And uh, and we, we even include mistakes like that when i stumble over my words so that's true enjoy. you wouldn't hear shit like <laughs> that on like an npr podcast that's how you know it has that independent um aroma <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if your podcatcher is not like emitting the the aroma then you might need to upgrade to the next version i think they can i think they can pick up on it whether they can you know smell it or not it's, it's, <laughs> it exudes and uh is noticeable that's, that's <laughs> thank you for true. listening to our <laughs> thank you for listening to our podcast we do enjoy making it and we super appreciate each one each and every one of you who who listens um yeah so how's it going kyle what have you been up to doing it pretty well i've actually played through a pretty interesting video game recently return of the obra din nice which i i quite enjoyed um, it was rather difficult for me and not really the type of game that I often play, but I, I did really enjoy it, even though I did have to use like a, a spoiler free hint nudge guide online. Oh, interesting. I like it that exists because mm -hmm. um, usually that's not how these things work. <laughs> yeah, it's not really um, the kind of game that you can write like a traditional walkthrough for necessarily. Hmm. and that's like uh there's something that happened on a ship and you, you're some sort of like time you're, you're peering through time to look at what happened or something like basically that. yeah you're investigating this ship and whenever you find like well a corpse on the ship then you can access like a memory of that person's final moments and like you hear some audio and then you get to like walk around in a freeze frame of their final moments. Nice. And yeah, your goal is to determine the fate of all 60 of the people who are aboard the ship. So for like everybody that dies at every different time that somebody dies, you have to figure out like the name of the person who died there and how they died and who killed them if applicable oh mm, so yeah it's like forensic investigation but involving going back into like freeze frames of people's moments of death and all on this nice. like ship from the 1800s that's nice. very very grim and intriguing yeah it it got pretty gruesome so Definitely, you know, content warning for for gruesomeness, but but I, I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> cool. Meanwhile, over here, I think I might have told you once that when it came to the Book of Boba Fett, like, ah, that's okay, you can watch it when you get around to it. No worries if you don't, like, you know, rush out and see it immediately. Well, the last two episodes have... <laughs> um, improved let's say <laughs> so so it's time for me to get around to it then yeah i mean i don't know if, how many spoilers you've already seen but i i can only uh assume that they're gonna start like uh popping up in your feed pretty soon because quite quite a few things are, are happening now 
I have not really seen any plot spoilers, but I have seen a character spoiler, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the sort of thing that I, yeah, <laughs> I would be very surprised if you don't see more of those. So, um, yeah, it's, it was, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I shall say no more then. <laughs> well, shall we go on to discuss a lot more spoilers about a show that's like, I don't know, 50 some years old. Uh, yeah, I think, I think these, these spoilers, um, yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> so this is episode twenty-three of season two, the Night of Jaffa, mm-hmm. and. This episode is actually a missing episode. It's one of the ones that you cannot watch the original video of. And there's unfortunately not any like fancy animations or anything. So the way to watch... Are there any not fancy animations? <laughs> uh, not that I... I didn't really look too hard, but not that I'm aware of. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I think the way the way that I watched it is with a telesnap-based reconstruction, which Uh also included occasional subtitles to narrate the action when, like, the telesnaps (laughs) were insufficient. You know, it might say something Uh like, the Doctor, Vicky, and Ian all bow as Princess Joanna enters the room, or, you know, something to that effect. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, listeners, just pretend to be surprised when Princess Joanna enters the room and everyone bows. <laughs> so do you recall what the Cliff Dangler was? Um, well, interestingly enough, when I was setting up uh, the, the recording for this episode, I even remembered the title, uh, The Night of Jaffa. Uh, but yes, the, the Cliff Dangler as well, where Barbara has been uh, taken prisoner by um, Saladin and his brother Safadin, and they they have her and William of something or other um, <laughs> captive. William of and Ian Depreu, I think it was. That sounds right. <laughs> I mean, you, you know. <laughs> um, and Ian wants to go rescue them, but uh, the king, um, Richard the Lionheart, of course, he is not. Uh, interested in or or willing to risk um mounting a rescue party right he is pretty pissed off at the fact that saladin's men killed his friends which you know that's fair i'd be pissed off about that too yeah yeah so he refuses to send ian to go save barbara and sir william and we pick up this episode right from that scene And Ian and the doctor are basically able to pretty quickly talk Richard down and convince him to go along with their plans. Uh, Another cliff resolved quickly. (laughs) Yep. The resolution is that like, uh, it's fine. Uh, One one thing I was thinking is like, you know, I was like, well, you know, okay, it's understandable that, uh, that Richard's mad that his, his, bodies are dead but what what do you think is going to happen when he just randomly decides to show up at the holy land and start making trouble yeah seriously the doctor 
suggests to Richard that Ian could offer to release a hundred of Saladin's men that Richard's holding prisoner in exchange for the release of Sir William. Uh, I think we're having some some internet troubles here, Kyle. Oh, really? Um, you're kind of pausing and cutting it out. Yeah, so basically the resolution to the Cliff Dingler was that, like, it didn't really matter. Not the best kind of Cliff Dingler. <laughs> uh-huh. The doctor suggests to Richard that Ian could offer to release a hundred of Saladin's men that Richard is holding prisoner in exchange for the release of Sir William. But Richard's like, We think we value Sir William highly. We do, but it would not be good to let Saladin know. Yeah, that's, that's quite an exchange rate. Like, are we just assuming that Saladin's guys are only worth like one one hundredth of, of William or uh-huh. Saladin wouldn't want his, his, his dudes back? Yeah, that's what like what the doctor is basically suggesting is that it it could be interpreted as Richard not valuing Saladin's men. You know, he's like one hundred men to one of yours. <laughs> Me thinks a fair bargain tire. Well, I think we're all making assumptions here. Yeah. So that all is kind of what I thought happened at the start of the episode, but there was actually some more dialogue later on in the episode that made it seem like it was still unclear whether Richard was going to be willing to actually send Ian or not. So, so as he's saying that he he's okay with sending people, he's actually just sort of shrugging into the camera like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically, stroking, yeah. Stroking his, he's stroking his chin thoughtfully and uh-huh. actually just thinking out loud. <laughs> so yeah, I think all that actually happened here is that they just like talked him down a little bit, so he's not like super pissed off anymore. Okay. Which you know that's that's still a good outcome. It's not the outcome progress. they were you know yeah it's it's progress. <laughs> so in. A big surprise to us all, Princess Joanna enters the room. Does everyone bow? And uh, the Doctor, Vicky, and Ian all bow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) How did we know? She takes charge of things. She makes sure that de Tornabu, who is the knight who got injured saving the Doctor, she makes sure that he gets seen to, his injuries get taken care of and whatever. Vicky says something, and Joanna asks the doctor if she's a young man. And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, totally. His voice hasn't even broken yet. Huh. Maybe because of her haircut? Yeah, she's got, like, I guess kind of a a short bob haircut. And she and the doctor had, like, remember they had stolen clothes from a merchant in town? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the clothing that she's in is probably, I read it as androgynous, but I suppose it was like androgynous peasant type stuff. Gotcha. So Joanna asks Vicky her name and she says, Victor. <laughs> Quick thinking there, Vicky. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Joanna says that they'll, they'll do something about Victor's clothes at least. And the Chamberlain, who's also there, starts taking a close look at the clothes that Vicky is currently wearing which, of course, are the stolen clothes, which the doctor realizes were originally stolen from here, from the palace. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were joking earlier about running into the people that they'd stolen the, the clothing from. Mm-hmm. 
King Richard is left alone with his sister, and he notices a new piece of jewelry that she's wearing. So he asks her about it, and turns out it was a gift to her from Safadin. Huh, and she likes it enough to actually wear it? Yeah, it was interesting, it was interesting because she's wearing the jewelry, but she, she says, and there's no reason not to believe her, that she's basically not at all interested in him. Mm. In that case, you should probably go ahead and send that back. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but just in case she's not uh, being honest there and she's hiding her feelings, are we thinking Joanna Dean? Safana? Joanna Joanna Dean? I think probably Joanna Dean seems best to me. All right, Joanna Dean it is. Richard points out the inherent contradiction in cultured people such as Saladin and himself fighting wars against each other. Saladin sends me presents of fruit and snow when I am sick, and now his brother decorates you with his jewels. Yet with our armies do we both lock in deadly combat, watering the land with a rain of blood, and the noise of thunder is drowned in the shouts of dying men. Oh shit, like, maybe maybe Saladin and his dudes should just go home. No, wait, they're already home. They're at home. Mm. If only there were a solution to this problem, uh-huh. <laughs> King Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna wonders if there's no way to make peace. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna? Uh-huh. <laughs> Richard's reply is, All wise men look for peace. The terms of peace make wise men look fools. So it, it comes down to his pride, basically. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what he's just he, he just came out right out and said it. <laughs> uh huh. He claims that he just wants the city Ascalon, but Saladin thinks that if he lets Richard take Ascalon, that Richard will invade Egypt, and Richard can't convince him otherwise. Really, I only want to take one of your cities. Uh huh. Like, <laughs> I, I what's so bad about that? Your land and and steal and conquer only only just one more city, and then and then I'm good. <laughs> and then I'm done. <laughs> I swear, I that's all. That's as far as I want to go. Just gonna stop after one more city. <laughs> cities are like potato chips, though. You know, you think you only want one more, but then you've had that one, and you're looking at the bag slash another person's country, and you're like, <laughs> well, could go for go for maybe one more. Uh huh. But Richard does start looking at Joanna, and he starts thinking about the political ramifications of shipping Joanna Dean. <laughs> He, he joins the Discord. <laughs> uh-huh. He just wants to know what the uh, the, the discourse is right now. <laughs> what's, what's the meta on that? <laughs> we cut over to Alakir, who was the guy who was interested in Barbara earlier. Mm-hmm. He's trying to bribe a servant woman into telling him where Barbara is, but the servant woman won't do it. Good for you, servant woman. Yeah, We've learned her name a little bit later. She's a Shira. <laughs> the princess of power? <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. This gets interrupted. Him trying to bribe Shira gets interrupted, and Shira is able to get away 
when an Italian merchant enters the tent. There's a little bit of dialogue, and this merchant manages to convince Elakir that the two of them can help each other. Apparently, the merchant followed an emissary here from Tyre, and he thinks that there's probably a lot of profit to be made if this emissary manages to broker peace. So he wants Elakir to help him get an audience with Saladin or Safadin, and he's asking Elakir how he could repay such a favor. Well, brokering peace is pretty cool. I'm into that, but something something about this merchant's vibe doesn't quite seem to... Uh... To, to bode well, I think. Yeah, I mean, this merchant isn't the one who's trying to broker peace. He's just hoping to like set up a set up some business contract after peace is brokered. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that, I guess, could be a, a, a valid um, motivation. Yeah. So he asks Elakir, you know, if Elakir could help him get an audience and how he could repay Elakir for doing that. And Elakir starts talking about how Barbara made him look like a fool. So he wants to get her to his house so she can see who the fool really is. Well, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it really does. So, of course, the merchant promises to deliver Barbara to him if he arranges for a meeting between the merchant and Saladin. And what's what's this merchant's vibe like? Like, is he... Is he... I don't know, for some reason I just assume that given the era and the uh, situation here, that he'd be sort of a nasty, nasty type of vibe. Yeah, he had definitely had a, a bit of a, some nastiness to him. Um, I would say the main, the main vibe I get from him is opportunist, and nastiness is like the second vibe. Gotcha. We cut back to Barbara's tent, and she's talking to Shayra. You know, Shayra's like told her about like Elakir's attempt to bribe her and whatever. And Shayra has also heard an interesting rumor. The whispers are about that you will tell a never-ending story. And yeah, it's got like Falkor in it, uh-huh. um, Atreyu. It's it's pretty good. Um, the this the. the what happens to Artax is going to like definitely make you cry. <laughs> she asks Barbara about it, and Barbara actually starts to sing. Turn around, look at what you see. A grumpy man. The doctor of your dreams Taking us to everywhere Through both time and space Where the TARDIS wants to go But getting back to home Is a never-ending story On our ship, 
flagship of the fleet, Barbarian. Oh, Ian is so sweet. Benny and Kyle ship us, and Susan she did too. Pretty sure the doctor does, and Vicky will ship soon our never-ending story. Damn it! I missed it. How much of it did you hear? <laughs> something like we got to the um, look at a grumpy man or something like that, right at the beginning. Okay, so you missed like <laughs> almost all of it. God, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll listen to it in the edit. <laughs> all right, well, are, you, are, are you recording now? Is this being recorded? Yeah, I've been recording the whole time. <laughs> so i mean maybe, maybe we'll just use my my anger at having missed the the song um because because normally this would be like my my enthusiasm and joy for having enjoyed it and been, wow what a cool surprise i really thought that was amazing but like i didn't even get to hear it and well, I'm gonna, i feel like i'd be a little a little, little, little cruel to, to make you sing it again so now i'm just like well i guess i'll listen to it during the edit i am gonna uh, paste the lyrics over to you in discord because because i do <laughs> think you need to to read the lyrics that i wrote for it <laughs> hell yes <laughs> the doctor of your dreams <laughs> oh yeah yeah barbarian is the flagship yep <laughs> Oh, that's adorable. Oh, damn it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, listeners, if you want to record your own covers, <laughs> you want to record your covers of the TDW Neverending Story song, send them to us and we'll we'll retweet them or, or whatever. Or, or, you know, do a do a funny TikTok dance to Kyle's <laughs> or uh-huh. the dubstep remix of Kyle's version. <laughs> Hi, Kyle here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. You can let us know what you think of it by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or by tweeting us at doctorwatcher. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts and tell a friend. Anyway, back to the episode. Hello there, again. Uh, this is our second recording session. Um, we were having some internet troubles last time, so we are going to pick up where we left off with a new recording session. Indeed. Um, welcome so, welcome back to the Doctor's Watcher that you're still listening to. Yeah, you've been here all along. It was us who left and came back. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that that song was just too amazing for the internet to handle. I'm still mad about that. Um, but I have listened to the recording that Kyle made, um, and it was amazing. It was incredible. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I think it fit the, the Doctor's Watcher um, vibe perfectly, because uh, 
boy, we we sure lean into our our nerdiness and <laughs> whatever whatever you know cringe might result. We own it. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I will say that that our listeners probably will never hear the original version that I recorded, like while we were attempting to record the podcast. Is what Benny has heard and what you listeners have just heard was the version uh-huh. I re-recorded because the original was a bit too cringe. Um, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't cringe. <laughs> it was just like it didn't fit the music quite right. Yeah, so. I recorded it a cappella, and yeah, <laughs> the second version that you actually did here, I did not record a cappella. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, Shira, the servant, has asked Barbara about this rumor of the never-ending story, and Barbara's actually pretty nervous about the whole thing. Shira's like, no, 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 you should just, you should, like, chill out about it. The thing that you should actually be nervous about is that Alakir hates you, and he's planning something, but I'm not sure what it is that he's planning. How to calm your friend with anxiety. <laughs> Tell them that the thing that they're worried about is not as bad as this other thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Already he has tried to buy my loyalty with precious stones. You must be cautious. Escape if you can. So are we thinking Barbera? Um, Shirbra? Shirbra. I think it might be Shirbra. Cool. She- Shebra. Shebra. Yeah. yeah. It's spelled S-H-E-Y, her name, Shera. So I know I keep yeah. calling her Shira like, <laughs> like Shira and the Princesses of Power, but um Yeah. <laughs> so our listeners who will have heard like the actual clip from the show just there will have heard the accent of the actor who plays Shera, who's actually from India, which I thought was cool and a bit unusual for Doctor Who at this time. <laughs> Oh, well, thank goodness it's not all just white people playing these um, parts for people of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I know if the others are either, but um, I kind of assume at least some of them, at least the extras. Yeah, at least some of them. When I looked this actor up, though, I learned that she was also in the Marco Polo serial as cool. one of Ping Cho's attendants. <laughs> they, they only had so many... Uh-huh. You know, non-white women actors in the BBC at the time. I also learned that she was the second person associated with Doctor Who to reach the age of 100. Oh, congratulations to her. Yeah, she died in 2014 at the age of 102. So, yeah, go Zora Segal. Who was the first? Uh, I didn't look that up. Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) She leaves to go get Barbara's shoes, you know, to like help her escape or whatever. And while she's off doing that, the merchant from earlier shows up and he introduces himself to Barbara as Luigi Ferrigo, merchant from Genoa. Okay. Barbara's like, oh. Cool, cool. I can remember your name by that bright green hat that you're wearing with a big L on it. <laughs> you know, uh, just for the record, Kyle has had more time to think of that joke than I did. <laughs> I was trying to come up with something, but you beat me to it. <laughs> he says that he has a horse for her. And she's like, oh, did Sir William send you? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh-huh, Sir William, yeah, he sent me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Amazing. So she heads off with Luigi, and Shira arrives a moment later with Barbara's shoes, but of course Barbara's not there. Zora Sigel, however, makes a perception check, and Shira notices a glove on the table that Luigi had left behind. I, I really admire that she's going so far to try to help out this person that she really just met. Yeah, totally. I thought it was I thought it was cool too. Luigi, meanwhile, is leading Barbara over to the stables. You know, he said he's got a horse. But Elakir is hiding in the shadows at the stables. And as soon as they arrive, he jumps out and, you know, slaps his hand over Barbara's mouth to keep her quiet and drags her off. Dang. There's a surprising number of ill-intentioned men um, in this children's show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there are kind of a lot of them. We do get a brief scene here of Vicky and the doctor who are helping Ian put on a tunic and equip a sword. Does the tunic come with like any armor, like chainmail or anything, or is it just a tunic? Um, it seems to be just a tunic. It's uh, it looks like a pretty heavy tunic, so I think it's it probably counts as like cloth armor. I think it, it <laughs> gives him a little bit of AC, but not not that much. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that these Crusaders would have some spare armor lying around. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is some dialogue in this scene that made it unclear whether Richard was going to send Ian on this quest or like exactly what Richard has planned for Ian. I think I mentioned at the top of this episode that like seemed like he would that Richard had agreed to it, but then it was not clear whether he had agreed or not. This is the scene where, like, it's not clear whether he's agreed to it or not. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, you know, we the the fact that we don't have the episode anymore might make it harder to read people's intentions. And yeah. You know, there's no body language and very little in the way of facial expressions and stuff that we can get from the telesnaps. Right. If there's not, you know, a subtitle dictating what the action was, then... We just have to guess. We cut to Richard's chambers where he's dictating a letter to Saladin and Safadin promising that they can they can have this kingdom and France and Safadin can marry Princess Joanna. He's going to give them France? He hates France. <laughs> How do the French feel about this deal? <laughs> also, do Saladin and Safadin want France? Like that's unclear. Maybe, unlike the Crusaders, maybe they they're not really interested in traipsing halfway around the world <laughs> to take over someone else's country and and you know declare it theirs. Uh huh. But yeah, apparently apparently he's just going to give them France. So he signs this letter and he sends the servant off. As Ian, Vicky, and the doctor all enter the room, you know, Ian's fully equipped in his tunic and sword and everything. Nice. Richard pulls out the King's Belt inventory item and he gives it to Ian and asks him to deliver it to Saladin and to ask for the release of Sir William de Preux and Barbara. Oh, cool. So he is getting sent on the quest officially. 
<laughs> also, they could have just hung on to that belt. <laughs> uh huh. Richard explains that he's trying to officially commission the Safana ship to bring peace. And <laughs> uh huh. Remember, this is a Joanna Safadine. Or did we call it Joanna Dean? I, I, I don't remember. It did take me a second to, to understand <laughs> where, where we were going with that. But yeah, yep. Whatever this ship is named, he's trying to commission it to bring peace. So he's sending Ian to deliver the message because all of the men who are closer to King Richard than Ian are like still pretty into having a war. They're, you know, they're really enjoying this war. They don't want it to end. They came all this way. Uh Uh-huh. Ian, of course, agrees to go. And he asks if he can leave immediately. And... That's a person of action. Yeah. Richard wonders whether it is love of peace or love of Barbara that's prompting Ian's enthusiasm. Nice. Richard ships it. Yep. Richard is totally a barbarian shipper. (laughs) but before ian gets a chance to respond to this and you know like tell him whether it's love of peace or love of barbara why not both (laughs) (laughs) richard says that he that that he richard has one duty to carry out before ian leaves you are without rank or title and while we do not doubt your courage our emissary shall speak from a proper position of authority Hell yeah, Ian's about to get knighted. That's Sir Ian. He orders Ian to kneel, and Ian does. And Richard uses Ian's sword to, like, do the shoulder tap. In the name of God, St. Michael and St. George, we dub you Sir Ian, Knight of Jaffa. Arise, Sir Ian, and be valiant. Oh, he's already valiant. He's one step ahead of you. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That that almost makes up for the fact that you just called him boy. (laughs) But not quite. Yeah, I guess he called him boy like before he knighted him. So, Oh, now he's a man. Now he's a man. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the Chamberlain is talking to the merchant from the first episode the merchant has confirmed the Chamberlain's description of the doctor and says that the doctor stole these items of clothing from him, from the merchant, which, of course, is actually true. Yes, he says he stole silks, silks, finest... Oh, what was the thing? Well, (laughs) silks, satins, finest robes and linens... (laughs) It, it takes him, like, five minutes to list all the things that, that they stole. Uh-huh. That's just a brief scene, though. We cut away from this back to the audience that Alakir has arranged for Luigi. Luigi is speaking to Safadine while Saladin is, you know, like, waiting behind the curtains and listening. Safadine asks Luigi to help judge something so they can get a sense of, like, how he thinks and how his brain works and whatever. Saladin decides to come out from the curtains to oversee this judging process, basically. So 
they bring Sir William and Shera into the room, and they... It's like, which ship do you like better, Sir William <laughs> or Shebra? <laughs> <laughs> they explain to the assembled crowd that Barbara has escaped. Shera insists that she doesn't know what happened. She went to get Barbara's shoes. She doesn't mention that it was to help Barbara escape. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not surprised she left that detail out. Uh huh. But she does say she went to get Barbara's shoes, and when she returned, Barbara was gone. Both of these things are technically true. Yep. <laughs> that, that was the order of events, and both of those things happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sir William also says that he doesn't know anything about it, and that he would never encourage a woman to go out alone. It would be, like, too dangerous or whatever. And uh, Saladin believes him. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that what he means is that he would protect her and accompany her um, rather than just... I mean, not that that's super awesome either, thinking that women need your protection, but um, it's a better than the alternative, which is just no women should go anywhere because they should stay home where it's safe. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know, William. I don't know. Yeah, it was not entirely clear which one of those he meant. I think I I was giving him at least some of the benefit of the doubt, but, you know, he is a crusading knight, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Saladin believes him that he doesn't know anything about Barbara's escape. Saladin asks Luigi what he thinks... And Luigi suggests that she must have had an accomplice who helped her escape. That's, like, the only possible explanation. <laughs> There's no way she could have just escaped on her own. Uh-huh. Sir William suggests that maybe she could have been abducted, which, of course, is actually what happened. Well, first she escaped, then she got abducted. Well, no, that's not true. She was going to escape, and then she got abducted. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, she was going to escape with her shoes yes and then yeah, luigi shows up and basically abducts her or like you know delivers her to elakir who abducts her yeah i think i think that they, they're both uh abductors yeah i point. think they both count as abductors so yeah sir william suggests this possibility that she was abducted and luigi's like uh yeah i i guess that could have happened very sus. Uh-huh. Saladin asks Shira about the results of her investigation check in the room, and Shira mentions having found a glove, and Saladin's like, uh, you mean this glove? And, like, pulls it out of his pocket. You know, he was, they were obviously prepared for this. And, you know, he's holding this glove in his hand, and he turns and he glares at Luigi, yeah, uh huh, as he says, it has a companion, Sir William, and Sir William. You know, they both look at Luigi's belt, and the other glove is right there in his belt. So Sir William goes and grabs and holds Luigi, who very quickly reveals that he took Barbara to Alakir, and then they throw him out an airlock. For, for being so sus. Uh-huh. 
and the little animation place that says that they they picked the correct person. Yes, he was the imposter abductor. We get a brief scene of Sir Ian's departure. You know, he's about to leave on this quest. The doctor bids him farewell. I hope you would find Barbara safe and well, dear boy. Uh, Sir Ian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you addressed me by my title. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sir Ian leaves, and the doctor comments that he almost wishes that he got knighted as well. And <laughs> I bet he does. Uh huh. Vicky's just like, That'll be the day. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> the two of them head into the dressing room. <laughs> Can you imagine what he'd be like as a knight? <laughs> Sir the doctor. Sir the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> So they head into the dressing room where the Chamberlain is waiting. And he's like, oh, you're just the person I wanted to talk to. And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, what about? And this clothing merchant from earlier jumps out and accuses the doctor of being a thief, which he is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, he, he, he's already gotten some votes cast against him. Uh-huh. But the Chamberlain is also accusing the doctor of being a thief. But the Chamberlain is saying that, you know, these clothes that the doctor and, and quote unquote, Victor are wearing were stolen from him, from the Chamberlain, like from the palace's clothes. And the doctor's like, dude, I can't have stolen this clothing from both of you. (laughs) So they all kind of start talking it over and trying to figure out what happened. And, you know, it it comes out that somebody else stole them from the Chamberlain and sold them to the merchant. Yeah, we we basically saw a scene of that, right? Didn't we? Well, we saw the scene of the sale. The yeah, the actual not, not the not the stealing scene. was off camera. Yeah, the original theft. Uh, so they realized that you know it was not the doctor who stole them from the palace. It was somebody else who did that, and. About this time, somebody else enters the room with a message for the Chamberlain, and the merchant identifies this new person who entered the room as being the villain who sold him the stolen clothes. <laughs> wow, we, we, uh, we sure like these happenstance um, coincidences. Uh-huh. The new guy, like, this does actually seem to be the case, though, because the new guy, like, runs off. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a small cast. <laughs> <laughs> the Chamberlain wants to go chase after the original thief, but first the doctor makes him pay the clothing merchant. The merchant bought the clothes in good faith and paid for them in good money. Now please return his money. Wait, what? The, the doctor makes the Chamberlain who had his clothes stolen pay the merchant who acquired his stolen clothes? Right, because... The merchant purchased them, and apparently the idea is that since he didn't know he was purchasing stolen clothing, he should be he should be recompensed for the purchase price. I guess that's uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I follow there, <laughs> uh-huh. but like bluff check, maybe. Yeah, I guess the Chamberlain like wants to go chasing after the thief and so he just like basically hands over some money and runs off 
So the merchant's happy now. <laughs> the Chamberlain is chasing after the original thief, and everyone's kind of distracted and forgotten about the fact that the doctor is still wearing the stolen clothing. Yeah, well, I guess in the doctor's mind, now that the merchant has received payment for the clothes, it's not so bad that he stole them because that merchant's not out any money. Um, right. Even though the payment came from the person who the clothes were stolen from. That, that's, some, that's some real uh, real impressive fast-talking there, doctor. Well, and I guess the doctor is like sort of a member of the court now, sort of. So if he's wearing the clothes, <laughs> it's like... It's kind of like they're still the palace's clothes, kind of. Okay, maybe. <laughs> I guess. Roll for it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Barbara has been brought to Elakir's house. Elakir goes inside and he tells the guards who are posted outside of his front door to bring the woman who's tied to the horse. So they, you know, head down the driveway to, you know, the horse that Barbara is tied to, and they untie her and start bringing her up to the house. But Barbara, person of action, shoves one of the guards into the other guard and runs off. Nice. Sir Ian has arrived at Saladin's camp now, and he's talking to Sir William, who tells him that his rescue is too late. Barbara has been kidnapped by Alakir. Sir William says that Luigi told Saladin and Safadin that Barbara had a crush on Alakir, and apparently they believed him. Yeesh. So, you know, that like that was his excuse. He says he, you know, he didn't like kidnap her or whatever. I don't like this guy. Yeah. I think we should throw him into a Pit full of Goombas. <laughs> or what we should do is while he's playing his run and we've got the first player controller, we should pause the game as he's like halfway jumped over a hole. And then like when he's distracted, we'll unpause and he'll f- fall down the hole instead of completing the jump. <laughs> uh, so I remember, Kyle, you told me once that you played a lot of Mario Brothers when you were younger. <laughs> and I know that you have siblings, so <laughs> I suspect you're speaking from experience. <laughs> well, my older sibling, I believe, listens to the to this podcast, so... <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to leave us a five-star review. <laughs> don't Please don't talk us a star for all those times that Kyle <laughs> paused the game while you were halfway through a jump in Mario. So... Sir William says that Barbara will have been taken to Lydda, where, you know, that's the city that Elakir lives in, I guess, which is not far from here, but it is going to be full of Elakir's men. It's my belief he captured your companion as revenge, and in his eyes she would make a fine addition to his harem. Ah, uh, we knew it. We knew it. Yeah. Blah. But Sir Ian, Knight of Jaffa, person of action, decides to go to Lydda after her. Hell yes. In Lydda, Barbara is making her way through the streets, you know, having run away from Elakir's house. Uh-huh. She hears some guards approach, so she hides in the shadows, and 
She rolls very well on her stealth check. <laughs> and and from what we see, is it just um, her her actor like standing there quietly up against a wall or something, or is it actually like a, a pretty convincing hiding spot that she finds? I think this time she was actually like around a corner and and kind of in the shadows. Gotcha. Um, so the guards pass by. They are, like, actively looking for her. They're not, like, just on patrol or whatever. They're actively looking for her. But they pass her by. She comes out and and keeps moving. The DM asks her for another stealth check. And this time she rolls poorly. Which, yeah, that's always a pain. It's like, how many times am I going to have to roll high? Uh-huh. Eventually my luck's going to run out. Yeah. So, yeah, this causes her to, like, stumble over some stones in the ground and she cries out in pain. And, you know, as soon as she cries out, she realizes what she's done and she starts quickly looking for a hiding place, another hiding place. But, you know, like the guards have have heard her and, you know, are kind of starting to circle back towards her. So she runs down a side alley and she runs around a corner and this man that we haven't seen before who has this big hat and a big bushy beard clamps his hand over her mouth and like kind of pulls her out of sight behind the corner as the guards enter the alley and the words next episode the wheel of fortune appear on screen Big money, no whammies. <laughs> That's wrong. Wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what they say on Hula Fortune. Uh, I think they just say big money. Um, yeah, so Kyle, how cartoonishly ridiculous is this giant hat and big bushy beard that this mysterious figure that we've never seen before is wearing? You know, it was somewhat cartoonish but i feel like it was actually more of like more on the cartoonish stereotype side than the cartoonish Uh, disguise side okay so it's not it's not someone that we know uh wearing a very obvious costume or or, uh you know disguise right yeah i don't i don't think it is okay okay (laughs) for some reason i thought that this was gonna be like ian's plan or something (laughs) (laughs) That would have been pretty great. You know, we, we think he's got a sword. He's a knight now, Sir Ian. We think he's just going to go charging in there. But <laughs> no, <laughs> big floppy hat, <laughs> big fake beard. Uh-huh. Well, cool. All right. Um, Barbara, on the one hand, is being this uh, damsel in distress. They, sure enough, like we predicted, tried to get her to take her off to a harem. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not great. Um, on the other hand, her escaping on her own, like entirely on her own now, and, uh, well, you know, escaping f- for as, as far as she's managed to get. Right. Um, that part's pretty cool. Yeah, that she at least like. started her escape on her own. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely liked that as well. Well. Um, if you're going to be knighted, being knighted by a major historical figure is pretty rad. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I mean, a little problematic to be knighted as a crusader during the <laughs> literal crusades. <laughs> um, but, hey, I mean, Ian can now introduce himself as Sir Ian for the rest of his life. So yeah, Sir Ian, cool. Knight of Jaffa. Yeah, he's got no paperwork for it. <laughs> <laughs> They'll he handle that when true. he gets back from his quest. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably got, Richard's probably got the Chamberlain filling out all the forms. I wonder if we look him up on the wiki, if he's actually, if his name is given as Sir Ian of Jaffa. Because <laughs> now technically that is, that is who he is. Uh-huh. Sir Ian Chesterton. I guess, I guess Richard probably doesn't know his last name. <laughs> Richard cannot be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> The, the fact that he even got his first name, I think, is <laughs> is already pretty pretty uh, surprising. Uh huh. Well, cool. All right. Well, this is this is an interesting serial. Um, it's definitely a recognizable historical epoch. Um, I think it's interesting that we just sort of assume that Italians are going to travel to countries where non-white people are the predominant um, demographic because first we got Marco Polo Marco <laughs> Polo, and now we've got Luigi in this one right I mean probably you know historically I think there's there's some basis to it but uh, when when we've only had so many um, historical serials I think it's starting to feel a little lazy on the part <laughs> of the writers but <laughs> yeah well what are you gonna do indeed well, we got through it. Our connection <laughs> mostly kind of held. <laughs> um, should we move on to the next one then? Yeah, let's see if we can manage another one out of this <laughs> this series of tubes that our voices are flowing through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of Luigi, maybe you should give Sonic a call. After this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. this riding habit. It was taken from this very room. Now it is back here again. Mm, a pretty poor garment, too. <laughs> this and this. Stolen from me. And stolen from me. Yes, now there really is a point there, isn't there? If I stole from you, my Lord Chamberlain, how could I steal from him? You did. You did steal from me. Then uh, how could I steal from him? Eh? You blockhead? Oh, please, please. Now, I had the clothes first. Oh, how nice for you. And I had them second. Did you buy them? Yes. From us? No. Then whoever it was stole them from you must have sold them to you.
Now, don't you agree? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. The Lord Chamberlain, a ship is in the harbour disgorging fruit from Acre. That's the man. I bought them from him. He must have stolen them from you. That's <laughs> you villain. <laughs> now, just a minute.